have a Bible nearby, um, we're going to be in the book of John just for a few minutes, uh, chapter 13, if you want to turn there, or we'll put it on the screens. Um, thank you to all, uh, to everyone who helped make that happen. Um, we have a lot of kids, there's probably that many more in the younger nursery over there, so uh, our weekly chaos is just one of the best things uh, about Sunday nights, and it's exciting to watch them grow up uh, right before our eyes in many ways. Um, right now, our, our church uh, is, um, we're kind of in a, in a holding pattern at this point, and I'm going to talk a little bit about what that means, but it is the second Sunday of Advent, <coughs> excuse me, second Sunday of Advent, and um, that is uh, that has become a really important uh, celebration for us as a church. That the church calendar is split up into different seasons, and so we join with believers all around the world uh, in the the longing and waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. And you know, Advent is not just a fancy Christmas word. Advent means arrival, and so we're not only recognizing the, that Jesus. Uh, came to the earth just like God promised, but also the fact that he's coming back to the earth just like God has promised. And so we're between his first advent and his second advent. And last Sunday, I I talked about uh, all the reasons why the return of Jesus should be a thrilling and exciting thing for us, something that we we long for, that we hope for, uh, not something that we are fearful of, but something that we really anticipate. And uh, I'm not even going to try to summarize all that stuff from last week. You can just go listen to the podcast. But the bottom line is that the early church and uh, the faithful throughout the years have been really excited about the fact that he is coming again. And whenever you get into that conversation with people about the return of Jesus, there's a lot of weird uh, weirdness that comes along with it. And some of it is because uh, all we really know about the return of Jesus is that uh, things in the world are going to get really crazy. And there's a line of thinking that he's going to come and like swoop us all out of here and take us away. And, and there's really no basis for that biblically. Even historically, it's a relatively new way of thinking that the, this rapture theology, this uh, let's be afraid of being left behind, you know, and all that stuff. Is, it's really, uh, it's not something that is consistent with what the scriptures teach. But it has been very trendy, uh, really, since around the Civil War time. And so, um, so that's a part of sometimes when you start talking about the Second Coming, people get weird because uh, there's a lot of fear and a lot of just strange thinking that's tied up in there. To me, there are a number of reasons why Jesus coming back is, is, is something that maybe people are hesitant to be excited about. And most of them you can kind of poke holes in. You know, a lot of them are... When you boil it down, it's, it's, there are certain things in our lives that we want to experience first, you know, and, and we would love it if we were able to live a long, full life and, and accomplish all these things. And uh, for those of you that have kids, you want to watch them grow up and maybe meet your grandkids. And you can maybe think that there would come a point where Jesus coming back would be awesome to you. But for some of you who are younger, I mean, if you're 20, you're probably looking at the rest of your life. And you're like, man, there's so much I want to do. I don't know if I really want Jesus to come back. Uh, just yet. And that kind of loses 
it kind of loses its uh, excitement a little bit once you start to think about it a little bit. You know, whenever you start to compare the rest of life here in this broken world, even the best parts of it, compare that to being face to face with your Savior. It's completely different. And almost every uh, hang-up that, that you can come up with for why maybe Jesus, why Jesus returning is maybe not so exciting to you, um, it doesn't really hold water. But there is one, in my opinion, one, one tension that rises up within us whenever we start talking about it that I think is credible. And you don't need to turn to it, but you're probably familiar with John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And so when you, the inverse of that is saying that those who don't believe will perish. And that should create some tension within us. It's one thing when you know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Um, but when you start to think about the people that you know who don't know him in that way, you start to think about uh, the, the population of our planet and all the people who don't know him in that way. And, and the full spectrum from the most personal instance in your life all the way to, the, to the, uh, the unreached people around the world. You start to think about all those people perishing and it gives you a little pause. It creates the good kind of tension within us. And so the, the early church, their, their prayer was, Come Lord Jesus, Maranatha. And it had an exclamation point on it. And I think for us, we can be excited about that, but we can also maybe put a question mark on the end of it. You know, like, are you sure? To hold those two in tension is very important. And our souls are big enough to have conflicting things at one time. You know, we can grieve with hope. Those aren't opposed to each other. They actually fit together. We can, we can forgive uh, well, there's this myth that, you know, forgive and forget, but that doesn't really happen. You know, you, it's how do I remember everything that happened and yet still forgive? And yet, through Christ, we're able to hold those in tension. There's all kinds of things that, we, that at first appearance may oppose each other, but really, they are able to be held together. And so we can say, yes, come Lord Jesus. And we can also say, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm burdened for those who don't know you at the same time. That our souls are big enough to experience both. And what Jesus has done is Jesus has told us, okay, while you are waiting for me to return, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how to live. I'm going to tell you how to wait well. There's this, this first century Jewish custom where the, where the bride would, whenever, uh, whenever there was an engagement that would happen, the bride would go and she would wait in her parents' house while the groom went and prepared a room onto his, his parents' house. And she just sat in the room, just sat there. And waited, and people would come and wait with her, but she just just sat there. Jesus has not told us, as a bride who is waiting for his return, to sit there and be idle. Sometimes, though, it feels like maybe that's that's what we've embraced. I'm not talking about we, we living hope fellowship. I'm talking about just we Christians in our day and age. It seems like it's very easy just to sit and wait. Jesus says, no, you, you need to wait, but you need to wait in an active way. And look at these, these three verses that, that sum up um, what he's called us to. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are 
you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. So our waiting is characterized by the love that God gives to us. The way that we see Jesus loving people is the love that we share for one another. That as we wait, it is active in love. Then, Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So there at the end we see, we see love there because Jesus is empowering us to love one another by being with us. He says to go and make disciples in two ways. One is uh, baptizing them. So there's, a, there's that, that um, like resurrection of our souls crossing us from death to life. There's an exchange where he, he gives us his life in exchange for ours. And so one is for people to be alive And then once they are alive, he says, to teach them all the things that I have taught you. Teaching them to obey. And so that's discipleship, where we're learning to become like him more and more and more. So as we are loving, we are going, we're making disciples in both of those ways. Crossing from death to life, and once you're alive, learning to be like Jesus. That's that's the active way that we wait. That's what he's told us to do. Here's the third passage. Acts 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So empowering our efforts to be witnesses, and that's, it, it means exactly what you think it means. We just are there to give an account for what we have seen, what we have experienced. And we do that where we live, and that spreads outward into other places, and it goes all the way across the world. So, pull all those together. Jesus says, okay, you're not to be a bride that just sits in the room and does nothing. You are a bride who is active in her waiting. By loving, by making disciples, by being my witnesses. Where you live, where you work, where you play, everywhere you go, somehow, through the love that you carry for other people and for one another... You are being my witnesses as you go. And what happens is that planet begins to be covered with that, like the most freeing and only message that people ever need to hear. And that transformation happens when the bride waits faithfully. And so the question is what kind of bride are we going to be? Are we going to be the bride that just sits in her room and waits? Or will we be the active? Loving, discipling, witnessing, ministry uh, to the ends of the earth, beginning in our own backyard kind of bride that Jesus describes. That's the, that's the thing as we wait between his first arrival and his second arrival is how are we going to wait? Are we going to do what he says or not? And there are, there are different levels where this conversation happens. One level is the, is the very personal level. Like as a, as a disciple, how am I going to wait? But then it also it, it goes into a more corporate sense. As a part of this church family, or whatever church family you're a part of, how is that family going to wait? Because none of these verses uh, are, are carried out in isolation. 
All these commands are given to groups. And so it's about you, but it's also about us. And so how are we going to wait? And as a church, we have, to, we have to, to look at, like from this macro level, and Advent helps us do that. It reminds us, He uh, came the first time, He's coming the second time, and He's told us exactly what to do in, in between. So how are we going to do this? Now for the past 12 years, we have been uh, trying to wait faithfully in certain ways. And now we are looking at a future that looks a little bit different. So in August, uh, Sherwood Baptist Church, the pastor over there, uh, contacted me and basically began a dialogue between the two congregations about us merging together, essentially about us getting married, and what this union would possibly look like. They, uh, they went through the, the flood. They're, they got three, four feet of water in their facility, like a lot of you did in your homes. And <clears throat> through that process... Uh, a lot of their church members were were relocated to live other places uh, permanently. And so they rebuilt the place, but then there's only 35, 40 people that are left. And uh, most of them are older, and they started to look down the road, and they said, we just really aren't sure that we can sustain this. The pastor began to pray and connected us through the Baptist Network with Tommy Middleton, who knew that we were looking uh, for a place because we've been praying for a home of our own, a place where we can meet in the morning and that we can use for these purposes and ministry purposes. And um, it seems to be like it is a really good fit between the two groups. The things that we are, have been asking God for, they have. And the things they've been asking for, God, we have. And so now it's just a matter of, can, can Baptists get along? You know? And uh, that's a great question. So as we've gone down this road, it's been really surprising uh, how much like we've been able to get along and how God really seems to help be helping both groups at least put one foot in front of the other. And without assuming anything on either side of it, uh, we are at a point where, where, both, where the leaders of both groups believe that it is time to make a proposal to the, to the full congregations on both sides. So we've been working on a document that will go to both groups. And um, Bruce, is the, Bruce Worrell is the pastor at Sherwood, and they presented it to their folks this morning. And it went really, really well. And um, now, tonight, I'm going to give you just a flyover version of what this document entails. And I want us to hear it, though, in the context of Advent. So easy to get caught up in the mechanical things. And just see this as like a like a corporate merger or some sort of you know thing like that. But when we see it as mission, it reframes it. When we see it as how are we going to wait well for the next however many years? We know how we've been doing it for twelve. Now as we look to the future, we have to see it as how we're going to wait and do so together. So um, let me just give you a quick flyover of what this uh, union would look like. And I know that we have a lot of guests with us here tonight to see the kids. And um, a lot of you maybe kind of know that we're talking about doing this. And so you'll get, kind of get a behind-the-scenes look as well so you can know how to pray. And then maybe if you're looking for a church, you're like, hey, that sounds like my kind of deal. So in the proposal itself, there's this opening paragraph. Um, and a part of the paragraph says, we've worked hard to bring... The gifts, strengths, and passions of both groups into full view. 
believing that we can make disciples more effectively alongside one another as a unified covenant family on mission together. Our only desire is to follow Jesus in obedience, and we hope this document is helpful in bringing both groups to a place of clarity and confidence in His will. And it has 11 names, and these are the 11 uh, leaders, six from our, our, our elders and staff, and then their uh, leadership group as well that have submitted this. And so this has all gone through discussion, and as I talk about it real quick, it's going to sound a lot like a, like, like, um, a lot of Living Hope stuff. We just need to know that we sat down and for hours went through this, and they are super down with this. So um, there are a couple of areas that we have covered. We talked about structure. We talked about um, small groups. We talked about ministries. We talked about Sunday services. We talked about money. Um, here's a couple of structural things. Over and over again in this document, there's a, a, a phrase, um, a covenant family on mission together. That that is the vision for all of these areas of life together. A covenant family Okay, a family united around certain promises that's on mission together. That that is what, what we are proposing, is that both of these groups would come together. This is not living hope on mission, and if Sherwood wants to come, they can, or vice versa. It is all of us together. And so how do we accomplish that? Through Well, one, one way is through membership. And so there will be one covenant that everyone uh, uh, like agrees to, a covenant is a set of promises. Uh, I, I usually think of it in terms of very, being similar to wedding vows. And so it will be our living hope covenant will be the, the covenant that unites the, the family together. Um, there will be a process to enter into covenant. It will be the same process that we have all gone through. If you're a covenant member, when you go to a membership class, you work through the devotional, you uh, meet with an elder, you go to a family meeting. That process will remain intact their members are going to go through that process, and uh, we are going to somehow go through parts of that process again. So they will enter into covenant. We will renew covenant. So there will be uh, a freshness that everyone brings to the table around those same promises. Um, and then we will have a family meeting. We will not do business meetings. We will do family meetings. That will be 10% business and 90% everything else. That's our plan to be united in terms of, of one covenant family. The leadership, we're a covenant family on mission together, led and organized according to the spiritual gifts God's given to the body. We will continue to be built around uh, gifts, not um, trying to fulfill roles, not trying to um, put a certain number of people on a certain committee for a certain amount of time. We want to be organized the way that God has organized us by our gifts. So our strategy there will be for Jesus to be the head of everything. Um, the covenant members will give leadership in, their, uh, in the ways that they give leadership, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, there will be elders, there will be staff, there will be deacons, there will be team leaders. Uh, this will sound familiar to you if you are a Living Hope person. Um, so the way that we are structured at Living Hope will be the structure for this, for this union as well. Um, Many of you have asked uh, a number of questions about elders and staff and deacons and how all that stuff's going to work. The, the elders will continue to be elders, and the staff from our church and from their church will all continue to be staff members. So they have three. 
We have two. We're bringing in a third. So by April 1st, uh, there'll be six of us. And um, that is awesome to me. Um, No one is getting cut through this whole thing. No one is putting out their resume. None of that stuff is happening. We're literally just going to push everything together. The roles will be different. So their three guys are, are very much on board with doing different things than they're currently doing. They're excited to be a part of this whole deal. And so I'll be the leader of the staff team. And if everything goes forward, I'll sit down with each individual and then with groups of us to determine uh, what the different roles are going to be based on the gifts and passions that exist within the, within the staff. But all their staff members are continuing uh, forward. Uh, same thing with deacons. Uh, they only have one. And so he's super uh, stoked about having more people on his team. Uh, all of our team leaders, all of our MTXs, all, all of those uh, ministry structures will stay in place, which I'll talk more about in a second. So from a leadership standpoint, we will continue to look and see who, who has God gifted and how have they gifted them. Who has God put into what seats on what bus and continue to go forward uh, in that way. Um, in terms of decision making... And a lot of times that's a, that's a, a hang-up. And it's, it's very different probably than what, um, than, than what Sherwood has experienced. And so this is going to be a struggle for them. Not a struggle in a bad way, a struggle in a good way. But this is going to require some getting used to. That the way that we are structured is that we have a congregation and we have, a, we have uh, the pastors, the elders. And the congregation um, completely yields their vote, let's call it to the elders and everything except for six, six very big decisions that have to be made by the congregation. Um, and so we're going to continue with that model. It's a hybrid of congregational models and, and, and elder models, where a lot of us, if you grew up Southern Baptist, the congregational model is when you vote on the budget, you vote on um, all, these, all these kinds of things, and there's majority rules and there's all that kind of stuff. We, we don't have all that. Other than those six things... The elders make the decisions. <clears throat> if the elders are smart, they have a ton of congregational input on their decisions. And hopefully we're being smart. But, but that model that we have at Living Hope will be the model going forward as well. Um, they uh, are excited about that, to tell you the truth. Uh, I expected that to kind of be strange, but so far they've been like, no, that sounds like a pretty biblical way to do it. So I'm like, all right, sign me up for the Bible. Okay. Um, <laughs> A couple of other things in terms of structure. Uh, we'll continue to be affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, after we vote, uh, after both groups make their decision, I hate the word vote. Ugh. Taylor said it in the elder meeting the other day. He said, how about we call it like making a decision? So there it is. So after we make a decision, we'll get into things about registration with the state and constitution bylaws and board of trustees and handling of assets and all the legal stuff that has to happen. Uh, we know that those things need to happen, but there's no need to work through that now. Um, and so if it all goes forward, we know that those are things that will be dealt with as well. Um, keep going real quick. Small groups. Basically, all small groups will remain fully intact. So this will not impact your community group. This will not impact their Sunday school classes. Uh, everything will continue uh, as normal. And the goal would be to, to view it as, yeah, our church has all these different small group opportunities. 
There's all these on Sunday mornings, and there's all these on, throughout uh, the weeknights in different parts of the community. Uh, we just offer a ton of small groups because we believe in them. And so um, that is, is going to happen. We would love to start some weeknight community groups in Sherwood Forest. We'd also probably like to start some more Sunday morning op- options and just get to where there's just a ton of ways that people can get into small groups and be a part of that. Um, and so that is, the, that is the plan. Meg is going to... That, that job description is, like, that's intact fully. So Meg will be the small groups person, just like she has been for us. She'll continue to remain in that role. And so um, some of you um, have, you know, wanted to make sure that everyone will still be taken care of. If anyone will be well taken care of, it'll be Meg and Kelly. So she will continue to do that. And our missional emphasis with our groups will also remain. Um, I know that uh, not very many of you live in that part of town. And that our groups have been working to love their communities well. And that will continue. And so just because we, have, we would have a building, we would have a neighborhood, does not mean that we are going to ask you to forsake where you live in order to only like, put energy into that neighborhood. Um, or, or vice versa. We also don't want to ignore it. I think our souls are big. I think you can love where you live. And then in times of the year where we're like, hey, we really want to do this in this neighborhood, I think you can also love like, that area as well. Um, I don't live in that neighborhood, and so I would be under the same, the same thing. So, uh, but our missional emphasis of, of our community groups would also remain intact. Um, all the ministries, every ministry that they have will continue. Every ministry that we have will continue. So um, when you look at the list, there are things that they are doing that we are not doing. And there are things we are doing that they are not doing. And so it literally fits together super well. So, our, and this is what I mean by that. Like, our small groups are all going to continue. They have a WMU. If you don't know what that is, ask Tara Brown. She would love to tell you about it. Um, the WMU will keep going. Uh, they do a nursing home ministry every other Tuesday at Flannery Oaks. That will continue. They do outreaches in the Sherwood neighborhood. That, that will continue. Uh, nursery will continue. Kids ministry will continue. Youth college, marriage discipleship, community ministries. So Breakfast in the Park, Mason, Men's Shelter, all that stuff, Global Missions, all of these things will just continue. We're just, we're just going to keep going. And so there will be opportunities that you have not had with us so far that you will then have, and then opportunities that they have not had that we will have. Now, I know it's going to, you know, it sounds all nice and good until we get in the trenches, but I'd rather be in the trench, you know. So I think we can figure that out. Um, our Sunday services are going to be like, like you're used to here on Sunday nights. Um, it'll be this music. It'll be the, the preaching will be determined by the, by the elders, but I'll be the, the one doing most of the teaching. Um, we'll do communion every week as a possible response. We'll say the priestly blessing. We'll have the guided prayer times. We'll have the giving station. We'll have all of the things that you're used to on Sunday nights. We'll all stay intact. And then Sherwood folks will be integrated into that uh, as, as they see opportunities for them to use their gifts. I know that some of you are concerned that we're going to be bullies, aren't you? You are, because you told us in the survey that you were worried. You didn't use the word bully. That was my word. Um, even though the service will feel like what we're doing here, we will definitely, definitely be uh, sensitive. We will learn, and we will... Keep the entire room in mind with that. As, we are, as we're trying to reach outward, we also know that, that we need to be reaching inward as well. 
And so I don't want you to worry about that. Um, I do want you to pray about that. And if it were to go forward, I would want you to give us input on that. But that is something uh, to keep in mind as well. Um, in terms of Sundays, the uh, it would be a morning service. I don't know if I need to say that over and over again. Uh, it would be a morning service. There would be kids group, youth, uh, kids community group, youth community group. Um, would be probably, let's say like 9, something like that. Maybe corporate worship at 10.15 or 10.30. Some, something like that. It's where we have enough time for those things to continue, plus any sort of small groups that we would have. So if you're wondering if we would be in the morning, absolutely. Uh, I don't think I would have a, I would be very much outvoted in that. Uh, but I'm excited about the morning myself. Uh, the last thing, uh, we talked through finances. And this probably sounds like uh, it's just too idealistic, but we're just going to push the budgets together. And we're going to push the savings accounts together. And if, if all of this goes forward, we're going to let those of us between the two groups, those who are really gifted in numbers and budgets and spreadsheets and understand all that stuff, sit down and figure out where the overlap is and how everything's going to work. And that's how we're able to keep all the staff members, is because the assumption is, is that all their people are going to stay on board and keep giving, and all of you are going to stay on board and keep giving. And that is going to make this whole thing possible because without the other group, neither of us can do this. And so the finances are going to be the easiest thing to work out. And it's helpful that neither of us has like $3 million in the bank to argue over. Uh, But I really think that the money should be the least weird part. And I know that has potential to be the most weird, but we're going to go the other direction. And there should not be an assumption on any of our parts that just because this building is has been restored and is debt-free, and that it appears as though God has uh, essentially is giving us a free building, we should not assume that a free building is a free building. And we should not assume that our uh, quest toward better financial stewardship, that we can take our foot off the gas with that. We can't. We can't do it. And so please don't get it in our heads that we can now back off a little bit just because we're not having to borrow millions of dollars to buy a piece of dirt or renovate some sort of existing structure. Uh, we got to have money going into this. There's still work to be done there, and we are making plans for that already. Try not to get too premature about it, but we're looking ahead and we're saying, what, what do we need to do to be able to get in the place as soon as we possibly can? And so as you are, as you are praying through this, And as you are looking at 2018 from a financial standpoint, um, please continue to be obedient to Jesus with your finances, increasingly so. So if I had to give an an overview of the overview, it would be like this. We're trying to make sure everything that is working and healthy in both congregations just continues to go forward. We're just going to do it together. We're going to unite around one covenant. We're going to unite under one leadership structure, one kind of decision-making, one philosophy of ministry with all of our different teams and all the things that we are doing. We want everything to continue um, as we go forward and figure it out as we go. If we are walking in that, that new commandment to love one another as He has loved us, then that's going, to be, that's going to be just amazing to watch it happen as we figure it out as we go. And if all of this is united around a desire to make disciples and to be witnesses in the Sherwood Forest and where you live, 
And for that to then just push all around the globe to where we're a part of things like Hope of Life and that kind of stuff. As, as those kinds of things happen and we tie into this, um, can, you, can you start to see the possibilities? You know? Like, can we, can we make a move to a morning? Can we do it there in that place that gives us more space, gives us more resources? Can, can we do this in a way that lets all those passages of scriptures come to life more and more and more and more? If, listen, I promise you, if, if that was not what was happening here, if that was not possible, we would not be having this conversation. If this was just about a building, if it was just about comfort, if this was just about making us the kind of church that just wants to sit and wait idly, just in a more comfortable space, then we would not be talking about this. God would not have blessed the efforts so far to even get this on paper, if that was our heart. We want to be the bride who waits actively and who does so with all of this in mind. And you think about how faithful God has been to this point. Think about how good it is of Him to wait until this, this time in our lives, this time in their lives, uh, these two churches, um, for this union to happen. There's a, a sovereign, beautiful timing with which God operates that, that I don't understand. I'm just glad it's happening, you know? He's not, he's not early and he's not late. It's supposed to be now. And so we have to see this for the mission that it puts us on. Is this the kind of thing where we've been faithful with a little bit and now God's going to give us more to be faithful with? If it, it feels that way. Not that it's all about feeling, but doesn't it feel like in Matthew 25? Where the master gives, gives different amounts to different people. And on those who have been faithful, he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. Now you'll be faithful over much. Doesn't it feel like that could be where we're going? Let's embed all of this into what Advent is about for us. Let's embed this into mission. Let's embed this into what he has called us to do. That this is going to help you be a witness. This is going to help you Make disciples. This is going to help you be discipled. It's going to help you love and be loved in the ways that God loves us. I'm not trying to sell it to you. Maybe I'm a little bit. But I'm not, I, I promise you. Because now what happens is this proposal goes, goes to both congregations. And so what they're doing is today is they're probably reading over, the, the, over it. And they're probably coming up with a bunch of questions. And our covenant members will get it emailed to, to them tonight. And they'll be, you'll be able to read over it and ask some questions. We can't act like this is a done deal because it isn't. And even if my language acts like it is, it's because I'm excited about it. And I, and I believe in it. But it's, it's not about what I am excited about or what I believe in. It's about a family making a decision together. It's about a family being on mission together. And if this is what God wants for us, we've got to be ready to say yes to him. So, this is what we're trying to decide. Is this, is this how we are going to wait well together? Is this what our future looks like or not? But we have to do so from that perspective of mission and loving one another and waiting well. Because He's coming. He's coming. His desire is that no one would perish, but everyone would have everlasting life. And we have been entrusted with that. 
So would you please stand as the band comes up? We're going we're gonna to take a little bit of time to respond. Um, and this is kind of how we do it here at Living Hope. And I want to invite all of you to be a part of it. It doesn't matter uh, where you go to church. It just matters if, if, you, um, if you know that Jesus has said yes to you and you want to say yes to him. We're going to sing a little bit. And Chase is going to be serving communion tonight. And this is the, this is the kind of communion where you, you tear the bread yourself and you dip it in the, in the juice yourself. And as you do so, he's going to say, the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ poured out for you. And he's going to say that for every person that comes through that line because that is what unites us no matter what church you go to. And so as we are doing that, it is, it is a matter of us saying yes to him. He's already said yes to us. He said yes to you. If you want what he's offering to you, you're welcome in this line. Some people may come down here and pray or you may sing. There's a bunch of different ways to respond. But this is really about us taking some time before the kids rush back in, before all the fun kicks back in in that way. It's about us really thinking about what God's doing in our midst. Recognizing His faithfulness, recognizing the mission that He's called us to. Um, are, we, are we willing to be the kind of people who will come before Him and say, we just want to wait well. We're trusting you over the next couple of weeks to, let, to confirm one way or the other that this is what we're supposed to do. But the bottom line is the waiting well. So let me pray for us, and then we'll just enter into a time of response, and you respond how you feel led, uh, and then we'll close in just a minute. Let me pray for us. Jesus, your faithfulness is, is pretty amazing. Um, God, to know that you promised the sending of the Messiah so long ago, and then it, it happened at just the right time, just the right place. And so we recognize your, uh, your ability to look at all of time and know exactly when things need to happen. You've done it with Jesus. You've done it with all of us in our, in our, throughout our lives. And maybe this is what you're doing with our family as well. But we recognize your goodness to us. Jesus, you offer us your body and your blood. the most costly thing in the world to you, you freely offer to us, saying yes to us. You've shown us how to live as we wait, and so we want to say yes to you as well. And so as we approach you in song, as we approach you through communion, as we approach you in prayer, whatever it looks like, we recognize that your activity in the world and in our lives and in this room, and uh, we want to tell you thank you, and that we want to be on board with to be the kind of uh, disciples who wait uh, well and wait faithfully and do not, are not idle, we are active. So no matter what church anyone's a part of, would you, would you unite us under your new covenant tonight? Recognizing this is, a, this is the case for all of us. This is what we are all saying yes to. As we celebrate together your faithfulness and your goodness to us. We love you. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, the table is open. Come when you're ready.